And so we read our first reading from Mark chapter 14 and verse 31 to 52. They came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John with him. He plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. Papa, Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. Take this cup away from me. But please, not what I want, what you want. He came back and found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, you went to sleep on me? Can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't enter into the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God. But another part is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. He then went back and prayed the same prayer. Returning, he again found them sound asleep. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't have a plausible excuse. He came back a third time and said, are you going to sleep all night? No, you've slept long enough. Time's up. The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's get going. My betrayer has arrived. No sooner were these words out of his mouth. When Judas, the one out of the twelve, showed up and with him a gang of ruffians sent by the high priests, religion scholars and leaders, brandishing swords and clubs. The betrayer had worked out a signal with them. The one I kiss, that's the one, seize him. Make sure he doesn't get away. He went straight to Jesus and said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The others then grabbed him and roughed him up. One of the men standing there unsheathed his sword, swung and came down on the chief priest's servant, lopping off the man's ear. Jesus said to them, What is this? Coming after me with swords and clubs, as if I were a dangerous criminal? Day after day I have been sitting in the temple teaching, and you never so much as lifted a hand against me. What you in fact have done is to confirm the prophetic writings. All the disciples cut and ran. The young man was following along. All he had on him was a bedsheet. Some of the men grabbed him, but he got away, running off naked, leaving them, holding the sheet. As we come back to scripture and read about the first trial that Jesus faced, the religious court. They led Jesus to the chief priest, where the high priests, religious leaders and scholars had gathered together. Peter followed at a safe distance until they got to the chief priest's courtyard, where he mingled with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. 
The high priest, conspiring with the Jewish council, looked high and low for evidence against Jesus, by which they could sentence him to death. They found nothing. Plenty of people were willing to bring in false charges, but nothing added up. And they ended up cancelling out, cancelling each other out. Then a few of them stood up and lied. We heard him say, I'm going to tear down this temple, built by hard labour, and in three days build another without lifting a hand. But even they couldn't agree exactly. In the middle of this, the chief priest stood up and asked Jesus, What do you have to say to the accusation? Jesus was silent. He said nothing. The chief priest tried again, this time asking, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus said, Yes, I am. And you'll see it yourself. The Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Mighty One, arriving on the clouds of heaven. The chief priest lost his temper, ripping his clothes, he yelled, Did you hear that? After that, do we need witnesses? You heard the blasphemy. Are you going to stand for it? They condemned him, one and all. The sentence, death. Some of them started spitting at him. They blindfolded his eyes, then hit him, saying, Who hit you? Prophesy! The guards, punching and slapping, took him away. While all this was going on, Peter was down in the courtyard. One of the chief priest's servant girls came in and, seeing Peter warming himself there, looked hard at him and said, you were with the Nazarene Jesus. He denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. He went out on the porch. A rooster crowed. The girl spotted him and began telling the people standing around, he's one of them. He denied it again. After a little while, the bystanders brought it up again. You've got to be one of them. You've got Galilean written all over you. Now Peter got really nervous and swore, I never laid eyes on this man you're talking about. Just then, the rooster crowed a second time. Peter remembered how Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. He collapsed in tears. And so we turn now to read our third reading, which talks about the second court, the trial to the civil court. At dawn's first light, the high priests with the religious leaders and scholars arranged a conference with the entire Jewish council. After trying Jesus securely, they took him out and presented him to Pilate. Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered, if you say so. The high priest let loose a barrage of accusations. Pilate again asked, aren't you going to answer anything? That's quite a list of accusations. Still, he said nothing. Pilate was impressed, really impressed. It was a custom at the feast to release a prisoner, anyone the people asked for. There was one prisoner called Barabbas, locked up with the insurrectionists, 
who committed murder during the uprising against Rome. As the crowd came up and began to present his petition for him to release a prisoner, Pilate anticipated them. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews to you? Pilate knew by this time that it was through sheer spite that the high priests had turned Jesus over to him. But the high priests by then had worked up the crowd to ask for the release of Barabbas. Pilate came back. So what do you want me to, what do you want me to, so what do I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They yelled, nail him to a cross. Pilate objected. But for what crime? But they nailed all the louder. Nail him to a cross. Pilate gave the crowd what it wanted. Set Barabbas free. And turned over Jesus for a whipping and crucifixion. So we're reading now from Mark chapter 15. Mark 15 and verse 33 to 41. At noon the sky became extremely dark. The darkness lasted three hours. At three o'clock Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eloi, Eloi, lama sakbakhani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of the bystanders who heard him said, Listen, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran off, soaked a sponge in sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, Let's see if Elijah comes to, to take him down. But Jesus, with a loud cry, gave his last breath. At that moment, the temple curtain ripped right down the middle. When the Roman captain, standing guard in front of him, saw that he had quit breathing, he said, This has to be the Son of God. There were women watching from a distance. Among them Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of, of the younger James and Joseph, and Salome. When Jesus was in Galilee, these women followed him and served him, and had come up with him to Jerusalem. And so now we come to Mark chapter 15 and verses 42 to 47. Late in the afternoon, since it was the day of preparation, that is, Sabbath Eve, Joseph of Arimathea, a highly respected member of the Jewish council, came. He was one who had lived expectantly, on the lookout for the kingdom of God. Working up his courage, he went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate questioned whether he could be dead that soon, and called the captain to verify that he was really dead. Assured by the captain, he gave Joseph the corpse. Having already purchased a linen shroud, Joseph took him down, wrapped him in the shroud, placed him in a tomb that had been cut into the rock, and rolled a large stone across the opening. Mary Magdalene and Mary, mother of Joseph's, watched the burial. And so we come to the end of our service. It's been lovely reflecting with you, listening to these truths of scripture that come down over thousands of years. Don't let this Good Friday pass as any normal day. It's not a normal day.
God died for us 2,000 years ago on this day. God died as the perfect one for the unperfect people. Hear the message of Good Friday. Receive God's love. Get to know God. He is fantastic. <laughs> he wants to change your life and, and give you so much joy and peace. So much confidence even when we face a crisis like this. God is good. God is love. And God died for you on this day 2,000 years ago. A prayer to close. Light in our darkness, Lord, we pray. In your mercy defend us from the perils and dangers of this day. For the love of your only Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon each one of you, both now and evermore. Amen. Please tune in on Sunday at half past ten. We hope to have other people like Kate and um, and, uh, and Toby Ball, more songs from the fellowship. And I know we're planning a, a big kind of um, closing number involving lots of members of the church. And we hope to also live stream more people on that particular day. Hopefully, if everything works, no guarantees. But it's been lovely to be with you today. Have a good day and go with God. Amen.